0: Hey, welcome to The Story Fits with Mike Fitzgibbons, your host. Back after a little bit of a break, here we are again, live from the WSFI studio, 88.5 on your dial. Uh, I'm here this afternoon. The Story Fits is a show based on good news, and I am here today. I bring a guest in every time, and we talk a little sports a little sports that they are good at, what they do. A lot of times it's coaches and, and good news from their lives and their opinions about the way sports are going in today's world. Today, we are fortunate to have in the, in the booth with me Mr. Ray Krawczak, who is a science teacher at Carmel Catholic High School. But more importantly for today is that he is our boys and girls soccer coach. Yes, boys and girls soccer coach, which, is, which gives him a unique perspective of high school sports, in that he he runs a, a program for each sex, which is which is an interesting thing when you have a soccer program for girls, soccer program for boys. You know, for many years, uh, our track coach. Jim Helford ran track for uh, the, the track program for girls and boys. So we have had that happen. But the, and John, Hel- John Halloran did it for years in soccer. But Ray, good afternoon and welcome. Thank you for having me here. Uh, you know, can you give us a quick overview of the Ray Krozak story? And before you do, you know, I want people to get could you turn here Um I want people to get a picture of you uh, out there in Radio Land if they don't know you, Ray. And so Ray is what is commonly known as a ginger, you know, red-haired dude uh, with freckles. And uh, and folks, yesterday uh, was Halloween, and he came to school with uh, pieces of bread taped all over him, uh, and uh, people didn't know what he was, and yes, you guessed it. He was gingerbread, a loaf of gingerbread. He actually did that, and we work in a high school, and he got away with it. So that'll tell you how well liked he is by the students that they didn't just trash him for that. Uh, So Ray, a little bit of your career. Uh, You you graduated from St. Viator, and then you went where and did what? Now you played soccer at St. Viator, correct?
1: Right, Um, I played soccer at St. Viator, had a great high school soccer experience. Um, Really, really fantastic, some of the best soccer memories of my life were at Viator. After that, I went to U of I in Champaign, not really planning on playing soccer, but, um, I was, you know, I was studying science. They don't have an NCAA men's team. They have a club team. I tried out for the club team. I made the club team and, um, had a great time there. That was fantastic. Um, eventually one thing led to another. I found myself getting into teaching. I, uh, student taught at St. Viator. I got into coaching. My first coaching job was at St. Viator working with the lower level um, teams, the freshman team, the JV team. Um, I coached club in the area. I coached for the Algonquin Lake in the Hills um, soccer club. So I was a club coach for a time. Then I found myself um, getting a job at Carmel. And within a year, I started coaching the boys. And this is been my that was seven years ago so i've had seven years as the head boys coach um three years ago john Howard stepped down with the girls and i've coached the girls this will be my fourth season with them
0: so you've been a head coach for boys seven years this will be your fourth year with the girls so you really kind of do know what goes on you know and the differences and the and the obviously the there's a lot of sameness there there's at soccer yeah. You're not going to reinvent the wheel, yeah. but you do know, you know the differences. And I do want to get into that. Uh, since you started in youth sports as a, an athlete a long, long time ago, Ray, it's mm-hmm. a question I ask everybody who sits in that chair. Uh, how has sports changed? So I was thinking about this.
1: Um, how has sports changed in my life? I'm, you know, You're older than me, so you've probably seen it more. But we're jumping right onto the I, age thing. Why,
0: is that what we're doing? Okay, that's what that's We're good. doing.
1: Um, I think that my whole life, I have. We've had televised sports, um, so as soon as sports started getting televised, as soon as ESPN became the thing that it is, sports athletes started not just being good athletes. They started getting. They started becoming characters that people got to observe and see everything that they do in their free time and what kind of life do they live and how do they spend their time and I think a great thing that has happened in sports in my lifetime and I think I've slowly seen it um, increase is just you know what athletes do with their money with their with the fundraising that they do everybody knows what you know JJ Watt did for you know hurricane relief and stuff like that the athletes aren't just athletes now now it's how do they what do they do for the community? How do they, how do they live their life? How do, how do they spend their time? And I think that that has been an incredibly positive thing for youth sports because now you have athletes that think of, you know, when I was a kid, the kind of things we did for team building where we would go do laser tag and that's fun. That's, you know, getting the team together and you're playing laser tag, you're having fun, but it's not really doing much. The kind of things that youth sports teams are doing now are service-oriented, and that's, and that's an amazing thing. We, you know, you go have fun as a team going to do stuff like Feed My Starving Children is a, a thing that uh, a lot of the Carmel sports teams do. Um, getting together, the soccer team has gone to Beacon Place and helped out there. Um, these service things that have become a part of sports are an incredible um, addition to sports.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, and I just showed you while you were talking, uh, you are talking about J.J. Watt. You know, Alex Cora, everyone knows who that is now. He's a household name, but he was a rookie manager for the Boston Red Sox. Now, there's a gig. You're going to be a manager first time out. How about being the manager of the team that they pay the most for? Like, that's a $300 million plus, you know, salary mm-hmm. situation, and <laughs> they buy everything they need and it's Fenway Park and it's the Boston Red Sox and it and so he's his rookie manager with the best team in baseball. And you know when they were making their negotiations and they really wanted him. They went after him. He said only if this is what's going to be one of my stories later but he said only if you provide me with a plane full of goods and services, a plane full for my hometown in Puerto Rico because of and so they added, they added like a quarter of a million dollars to his already pretty big salary and said, okay. And then he matched it and the mayor of Boston went with him and they right. flew it down there. And I, it, to me, that's what you're talking that's,
1: about. That's an amazing thing that now sports stars and you know managers and all these people have all this power and they choose to do good things with them. And I think that's,
0: I think that's incredible. Well, and I do too. And after they won, after they won, all of the things that happened after they won, he reminded everybody of that. Like said, "Hey, this is still a problem down there. Can you help?" And he said that while he was celebrating their world championship this past week, which to me, all right. Well, that makes me automatically an Alex Cora fan. So, um not necessarily a Red Sox fan though, Ray, sure, but sure. whatever. So, you're thinking one big positive change here. That's good. Uh, so if you were building the support person, the model parent for an upcoming athlete, what would you include?
1: Um, so, I mean, this is a personal question. This is basically, are you asking how should you parent kids that are, you know, upcoming athletes? Because that's kind of my... Yes, my so situation. That, it's, I have a daughter. She's two. And I'm you know, thinking, how is it going to be as I well, become the, the Ray, the reason
0: I developed that, that question this. for the show was because right. I was a head football coach before I had children. And I, I think, I hope my former players would tell you, I became a different coach July 26, 1990. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, no, I that's defen- that, I that's definitely the day. That. That's the day my daughter was born. I was just really? trying to. Okay, I got, it. I, got okay, it. I didn't know. I was yeah, just I trying mean, to help you, buddy. So,
1: uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that um, I look at the lessons my parents taught me. Um, what kind of sports parent do I want to be? I I, I want to do this thing right. I I think that balance is so important for sports parents. Um, to me, the fear is that. You become so one-sided on your sports success is how we define whether or not you're a success and i see some kids unfortunately they think that you know if they if they don't succeed in sports if they're not the player that they could be they have nothing else um my parents for example you know i i played little league baseball right and you know i i never (laughs) i never got to be at the all-star game i would you know get chosen for the thing and I, it was a great honor you know top three or four kids get to get to go play in the all-star game and that'd be a, that'd be a great thing but my parents it it can conf- it, it did conflict with my my trombone solos so my little you know trombone band commitment to me it wasn't a deal to me at the time but they I, I never got to go to the all-star game i always had to go do the band contest and it gave me balance and it i think that my parents did a good job with helping me become well rounded rather than just one dimensional and not, you know, to this day, I, you know, I'm not that, I don't take that much pride in my baseball skills, but I do take a lot of pride in like the fact that I have a slightly musical side. Um, and I think that comes from the balance that my parents showed while they were sports parents. And I, I, I don't know, I, I would hope that I can encourage that. And you know, and let my daughter know that I encourage her in more than just her sports accomplishments. I want her to you know, succeed in all the little things that she tries. Well, I want there's her to there's try a bunch of
0: little, There's a lot of little things you're saying in there. And you had made a commitment as right. a trombone player. Right. You had made a commitment, and your parents said to you, "Commitments are what are important in life." And you made a commitment. And yes, you made a commitment to a baseball team, but not to be on the all-star team on the baseball team. Right. And your parents saw that that didn't conflict. Once the All-Star team got picked, it conflicted. But you had already made a commitment. And your parents backed, and look what they taught you about commitment. And there is, you know, so you're looking for the ideal parent is a parent who's backing that up. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And yeah. I hope I can do that.
1: You know. My daughter's just two. So, I got learning to do still.
0: Is she running around the house kicking a soccer ball, Ray? She is. She um, is. She, that scares me. The uh, Is she doing it
1: correctly? <laughs> She's doing it well enough. <laughs> she can say kick and ball and run it, the thing.
0: As long as she trick-or-treated and didn't dress as a soccer player, I would... I would. She dressed as a strawberry. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, you're, it's a unique situation. You coach boys and girls okay what's the differences come Uh, on a lot of the differences i would
1: say i get asked this a lot um a lot of this a lot of the difference in the two sports just has to do with there are some obvious differences with 16 year old girls and 16 year old boys they're just in different places in life um you know a 16 year old Mm -hmm boy is just so excited that puberty has just started with them and they've got this new body that they, you know, are trying to get under control, but they're so excited to have, you know, the ability to run faster. 16-year-old um, girls have generally generally already, you know, they've had a little bit more time to develop into their body and, and their brains are certainly more developed. They've, you know, the way they attack the game is a little bit different. Um girls soccer at the high school level, I think is games are won and lost in the mind with the tactics that, that, that you choose and the team understands and the team girls, girls win games by thinking things through guys tend to win games by working really hard and running really fast and digging down deep and being, being stronger than, you know, the other team. Um, uh, the the boys soccer um trend I, I would say that the boys soccer game at the high school level tends to be just a more direct game launch launch the ball up to the forwards and see who's fast and who can outrun the defense girls soccer is definitely more of a uh a thinking task it's more of a let's work the ball up the field and try to break a team down and you know it is it is what it is
0: a lot of uh Set play thinking and yeah. defending the set play thinking. Yeah, certainly. Isn't that what? Yeah, I've been I've been told that in the past, and that's kind of what the differences are. No, that's that's well said because you were tiptoeing there a while about. It. <laughs> but that's well said because you know you could see you could see that if you're a fan of it, and you've had success at both with both teams, and so you know. Let me ask you another question about you know the girls' end of it. Uh, you know, this is supposed to be a Title Nine world. And, you know, Title Nine being, you know, the whole idea that mm-hmm. colleges have to spend as much money for girls sports as they do for boys sports, which forever changed the landscape of college sports. Uh, is it a title? Because, you know, obviously ESPN doesn't really care about <laughs> sports, right. girls sports, unless somebody's going to watch. Right. So occasionally softball regionals and and uh, if the us women's soccer team is great oh they're good no put them on but otherwise espn's only going to look they're looking for wh- where they're going to get the bang for their buck so uh is the title 9 world a reality Ray? yeah so it's
1: it's a title 9 world that's for sure but is it a is it the world we want or is it is it not quite there yet um, i would say that title 9 probably did a really good job initially at providing opportunities it 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 made a road that um, girls could follow they they, it created opportunities that girls otherwise wouldn't have had but now there are still you know you you can just it doesn't take a a world-class coach or any kind of huge observer of the world to understand that it isn't exactly equal um, for girls they don't have the there's no there's nobody watching a girls sport on television with the same kind of dedication that people show toward a guys sport like like football you just you, it doesn't exist um there, i don't i can't think of who the you know who's the lebron james of the women's sports world I don't. I don't know if you can say anybody is. I don't think that people have that kind of mentality. And I think so. So if the playing, fi- playing field has been leveled by um, Title IX, the prize at the end has not been equ- equivocated. Like there's no similar prize for girls that are the best athletes at the top of their game. There, there is no prize to be won at, that's at the same level as what, what is there for for men in men's sports um i don't know if that makes sense
0: makes a lot of sense actually and i you know i think uh watching watching uh you know college softball girls Mm -hmm. when the girls play or or the olympic softball team when they they did that thing and and how good they were just how great they were you know and and why why didn't that translate back into What it could have translated into is beyond me, frankly. Uh, It's probably a social structure thing. You know, we've talked about that in a couple of my shows, too, that the social structure being what it is, you know, the whole, uh, in our country, 87 cents and a dollar. A girl makes 87 cents while a guy's making a dollar. To me, that's an unfair thing if we're going to be, if we're going to forge forward as a country and as a people, you know it goes into sports we should forge really forge forward shouldn't we
1: right and, and you know i'm i don't think i'm smart enough to have any kind of solution to this that's that's the problem i don't know what would be the thing that tips the the scale what would be the tipping point that would make people respect and love girls sports at the same well i think level. the
0: tipping point is one that you're if i may say as an observer i've watched john and before you i watch you I watched Jim Helford coach for a lot of years at Carmel. All three, the tipping point is guys like you guys. You put exactly the same energy into the girls' sports as you do the boys. I've watched the three of you coach, and and frankly, it's it's inspiring because you might get bigger crowds with the boys, you might not. You know, our girls are always pretty dang good, so the they're fun to very, watch. Very good. Yeah, they're always really good. But the fact is, all three of you as are great coaches, and all three of you really spend the same energy that's the answer all you can do is what you can do I think and I you know and I didn't get you on here to surprise you with a compliment but but you know you, you deserve that you're you guys do you're already answering the question we have to put the right amount and en- the same amount of energy it should be, if it's going to be equal it should be equal right and if a guy's I, gonna coach both boys and girls he should be putting the same amount of energy into both absolutely and I I, I thank you for the
1: compliment but I still I, I am still troubled by the world that we have where there isn't that um, that that prize at the end of it I would like m- you know my daughter to grow up in a world where she can see herself in the people that are being you know celebrated on ESPN and and, and the world is celebrating victories in, in women's sports and well it, I would, like, know, to I would see, like to I'd see like to see that.
0: see that too but if she grows up in a house that you're celebrating you're celebrating it properly. She'll get it, you know that. And you're right. Uh, come on. You know I'm a story guy. All right. One, one, one inspiring story. We got, it, it, there's a break coming up, Ray, and you got a couple of minutes here. You got to inspire us with a, an, okay. a with a story because right. stories are coming. You already heard me cut in with the Alex Cora thing. So, Ray, tell us the story. All right. So, um, I want to talk about
1: uh, a kid on our our boys' team. His name um, is Ryan Bobber. Um, we just finished our boys' season. This kid was for uh, four years consistently the hardest-working kid on the team. He's a fantastic guy, did everything right. Whenever he was asked to do anything, head down, worked his butt off. He wouldn't mind me saying he wasn't the best soccer player on our team. He knows this. He, But we got into the position this year at the end of... The season we're playing um we're playing wheeling in the the regional semifinal. it's the playoffs everything changes come playoffs and you see who um you know the heart and soul of the team comes out and i would love to see i i love seeing um people step up in great moments um you know, you you measure, uh, you, you worry about how to measure the, the success of a season. And you can go the wins, the losses, I don't know. Um, you can go, did you win conference? Did you win the regional? We didn't. By all, like, those normal measuring sticks, like, we didn't have the best season on the boys' side this year. But Ryan said something, and it's just, it's not, it's, it's the thing that happened at the very last moment of the season, really, um, in the playoffs. You just watch him step up and get a ball played into him. The, t- the game is three to one at the time. A ball comes into him, he brings it down in a way that I told you, he doesn't have the most technique. It was the most technically savvy trap you've ever seen. He beats a guy, puts his shoulder in him, real quickly releases a shot. Fantastic goal, puts the game within reach. It's three to two. It's an amazing moment and he comes off the field we say, we're all upset that we've just lost the game. We lost the game 3-2, to two, but we get this situation where he goes, Guys, I'm sorry. I know that everybody's down, but I am so happy, and I want to thank you because this was the last game of soccer I'll ever play, but it was my best game, and that was the best moment I've ever had.
2: Hello, I'm Sister Marie Julie. I've been a Sister of Charity for 50 wonderful years. It's by the grace of God that I'm a Sister. And I often listen to Catholic Radio. And I, I feel that it feeds the hunger of the world. There are so many people who are longing for God, yearning for Him, don't realize where the emptiness comes from or where it's going. And Catholic Radio can help to meet that need.
0: WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio
2: Hi, this is Wes Riccio from the Holy Family Catholic Bookstore. If you have a child, grandchild, or godchild being baptized, receiving their First Holy Communion, or being confirmed, remember that Holy Family has the area's largest selection of gifts, accessories, and supplies to make their special day more memorable. For baptism, we have cradle medals, baby Bibles, wall crosses, and night lights we have beautiful baptismal gowns and accessories, as well as invitations and cards. If you have a First Holy Communion in your family, we have a wide variety of mass books and gift sets, rosaries and medals. We have exquisite veils for the girls and ties for the boys, along with all of the necessary party supplies. Our suggestions for new confirmants include personal sized Bibles, prayer books and other spiritual readings that can follow them through their lifetime. And don't forget the Godparents and Sponsors, We have gifts and cards for them as well. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook.
0: Hey, and welcome back to The Story Fits. This is Mike Fitzgibbons, WSFI-FM 88.5. The Story Fits is the show. It's a show about good news. I'm Mike Fitzgibbons. That would be where the name comes from. My guest today is Ray Krozak in the studio. He's a head boys and girls soccer coach at Carmel Catholic High School. He's also a science teacher. He's also a married father of one, 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 and we're days away, perhaps, phone. from from two. Correct. Yeah. And and you know, folks, uh, if you wanted to, you could go on goodnewsfitsall.com, dot com, which is a website. Good news fits F I T Z. Like that, right? Goodnewsfitsall.com, dot com, and you could get podcasts. Of these very shows. You could do that, Ray, if you wanted to. Uh, and I don't say that enough on here, but thats it's a pretty cool website designed by my daughter. And by the way, you know, she needs to update it. Because, you know, I think it's one show short. I think she needs to get on that. Uh, maybe I should be telling her that. Or maybe she should be listening so she knows. to. Uh, Hopefully she got the message here. I think she probably did. Yeah. And she's probably throwing things at the radio. Uh, so, Ray... Um, you 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 made that story under the buzzer there, <laughs> like uh, you know, before the commercial cut you off. To be honest, I didn't even know there was a
1: clock in the corner. That was the first time. I don't I saw want it. you looking it at had the like clock forty seconds yeah. and I went, Oh, well.
0: You 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 did that well <laughs> uh, and, and that story about Ryan Bobber. So that was one of the highlights of your coaching career. Honestly, honestly the moment he said um,
1: that was the, that was the best game that that i was like oh well i guess this whole season was worth it i guess this that's that's how i can measure the season like the kid who worked the hardest saw the reward at the end of it and it was it was a fantastic um way to measure the season when your seniors that you know that's what they got out of it they get that was that, it was just a fantastic moment
0: yeah i don't i don't uh you know uh I was fortunate enough to be a head coach, uh, and in our the teams I was involved with, won more than they lost. And you know, when the, when the higher numbers on the left side of the dash, it's a it's a better situation. Uh, and in football, especially high school football, it's it's so intense. And but you know, uh, the moments that you're talking about were way way more important than than uh, you know. Uh, you think about it uh so that was a, that that makes that a great story now you know you you hinted that you had another story yeah i wanted to share something about the girls um oh this is great you see what he's doing here folks equity. This is he's, equity <laughs> equity
1: <laughs> okay go um, for real um the you know i just i think this is a good story cuz it kind of highlights Something that I think is special about um, what a lot of the coaches at Carmel do—we, um, we, you know, we have a chapel, and, and one of the things we do as teams, we, we, all, all the coaches, we, we pray together, and that's something that's really special for um, our teams, um, and I think it's really important in in Catholic sports education. Um, but one of one of my favorite moments of all coaching with the girls happened in the in the chapel. Um, we we often you know have chapel services that we kind of just I, m- my assistant coaches and i just kind of design them year to year and this particular year what we did was it was it was the girls and it was right around easter and it was it was kind of i think that we had just had the the story of the road to emmaus um, where jesus is walking down the road and you know, disciples don't recognize him until he later breaks bread with him and then they they discovered Jesus in the person they had just been walking with. And so we did this activity where um, I partnered up all the girls in the chapel. I gave them a set of discussion questions, and then they were to walk around the school and talk about the discussion questions and kind of go on a, just a little walk with each other. And I didn't tell them what I was going to ask them to do later, but they just walked and talked with their, uh, with their partner. Um, then when they got back to the chapel, the the challenge in front of them now is to um, talk about where they see Christ in their teammates, and obviously, a lot of them were going to be able to be able to talk about the person that they just walked with. But there wasn't—you weren't restricted to that. You could talk about where you see Christ in anybody. And what you wind up, uh, what, what they wound up doing is, everybody needed to give one kind of affirmation. To somebody else and everybody needed to at least receive one and that was kind of the only rule so most of the time people would go up and affirm one person and sit down and it was nice and sweet and everybody took it really seriously and the girls did a fantastic job with this this particular year we had five we had five sophomores that one, one of them had literally never spoken she had never spoken the whole time um, nobody knew much you know from her because she was she was pretty quiet, but what she does she gets up there and instantly kind of starts doing that little laugh cry thing and goes can i can i just do everyone and i go okay fine do everyone and i had no expectation that she really was about to do everyone she looked everybody in the eye and went down the aisle and said this is how i see christ in you this is how i see christ in you this is how i see christ in you and by the end it was just really just a love fest of I love you so much, hugs, 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 and it was just this amazing moment that I think, you know, you, you, you hear so much negative about high schoolers and, you know, immature kids and stuff like that, but to be able to, I think, you, I know you know how hard it is to look people in the eye and give them words of affirmation, one after another, after another, after another, um, to know that, you know, a, a 15-year-old girl um, was able to do that, I think was, was incredible. Um, really a special moment and you know it's one of those special moments that didn't happen on the field but it was it was something that i'll always remember and um i, I just thought it was awesome
0: it's uh more than awesome it's a great story on many levels i like the fact you touched on chapel uh that our teams do you know and 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 I, the vocabulary word chapel you know, did you do did you do chapel before the game? Did you guys have chapel before? The, did you do chapel? It it becomes a verb. It becomes a noun. It's mm-hmm. a vocabulary word. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, we chapel before the games. Mm-hmm. We always chapel. There's a chapel, Right. <laughs> you know, and and it's not only it's it's Dave Paisley with the volleyball teams. It's Kevin Nann with the boys volleyball team. It's you know it's people chapel. It's what they do, and and you know I love watching that. Uh, I love being part of it when I'm part of it. Some of the coaches actually invite me to be part of it. but um, You can come next time. <laughs> oh, thanks. Uh, it's a great thing to watch that happen and be part of it. Really, it is. And when you have those moments, you know, and the one thing I've learned about, like you're saying, with teenagers and young people, once they know how to or they teach themselves in a way that's comfortable for them, they're unbelievable prayers. They're really good at it. I learn from their, their praying all the time, and boy, oh, boy, it's intense. Mm-hmm. It's intense and, uh, and, and a good thing. So that's, uh, well, those are two really good stories, right? You know, I, all I did, folks, was ask them to prepare a couple stories that were inspiring and good news stories. Because, Ray, you know, the whole reason the show was born on this, I'm so tired of bad news. I, I, you click on your TV set. You turn on the radio. You pick up a newspaper, front page, first story, everything is always, is it ever good news? No. You know, it's like uh, we're wired for it. Right. And I don't know that we did it to ourselves. I don't think we did. Um, I think the chemicals that get produced in our brains uh, f- from good news are better chemicals anyway. But boy, oh boy, people love this. It's like, to me, it's like a car accident on the expressway. You watch the cars slow down, not because of the cars, and so people could see. And they're all watching. And it's like uh something good happens. I don't know if they're slowing down to watch it. Uh, and maybe it's part of our our DNA, I don't know, but there's a lot of great news stuff out there that people just don't know about. And now only lately have the of the have the big news people started to notice. MSN .com actually has a good news page. They finally. I didn't know that. They thing. do well. They they and they up once a month. They say here's the good news stories. So you get them once a month, but at least it's at out least it's there. Something. And I always give a shout out to our old friend Father Glenn Snow, mm-hmm. who has since 2014 scours the internet every morning before breakfast, before his first coffee and puts a good news story out there and he has a thing on, online and you could, you could actually get on it and look, every single day there'll be a good news story. So I, I'm able to collect them, and, and then I get to hear them too. You know, when you think about the world at large, if I may just go on with this, and it's been a horrific week in the world, of course, and just terrible when things happen and, you know, it's head scratching, I think, uh, when you think about these ongoing shootings there you know, and I don't want to spend any time talking about that, Ray. What I do wanna say is this. Eleven Jewish people died. And a man was in the synagogue scree- screaming all Jews must die. Do you know that seventy seven thousand dollars has been raised by two separate organizations to pay for the funerals of those eleven people? Uh do you know who raised that money? Do you know that seventy seven thousand? Two separate Muslim organizations. And to me, that spells hope in the world. Absolutely. Somewhere else on this planet, Muslims and Jews are, are are for sure shooting at each other. But you know what? In that particular place, at that particular time, two Muslim communities got together and said, No, no, no. That's our brothers. We're going to take care of them. And they are, and to me, that's good news. You know, out of the the, the phoenix, out of you know, rises out of the ashes. Uh, there's uh, if you look at every horrific news story, there's there's goodness going on somewhere in there. I'm gonna tell you, uh, you know, um, there's a story that was in the, was in the, was in the paper. I didn't find it, I didn't find it, uh, I didn't find it in went from MSN or from Father Glenn. This one I knew about. On my own. You see, sometimes I can find them on my own, right? Sure, I don't. Sure. But uh, there's an older couple. They were celebrating a big anniversary, 50th actually. And uh, they lived three and a half hours away from where they dated and got married. And they thought it would be a great idea to go back to the pizza place that they first dated. And that pizza place had been passed on from uncles, grandfathers, to the new grandsons and them. Okay, so they knew it was still in the same family. So they called and told them their anniversary date, and they're going to come down there, and they're going to have a pizza. And they, okay, we're going to do it up for you. Well, the man of the couple had cancer, and he had it bad. And it kicked in worse before that week. So she calls the pizza place and says, Sorry, we're going to have to cancel the order, cancel the evening. He can't travel. It's bad. This brother and the, uh, the the uncles, the two guys, got together. And they knew the order. They made the pizza. They put it in a warmer. And they drove three and a half hours and gave the couple their pizza. He passed away a week later. But he had 50th anniversary pizza with his wife. And it was the same pizza from the same family. Uh, yikes. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good story i know it's a great story and and uh yeah you know it, it's very much like this story and then i'm going to ask you to comment if you would about this type of thing Okay. that that we don't you know you don't think people oh we don't see enough of that this is always going on we just don't hear enough of it So the lady's plane touches down in Florida, her home city, and she checks her messages, and she's got a message from her brother, who she just left in Nebraska, who's a war vet. And he just had surgery in his back. And and he couldn't feel his left leg, and his incisions burning, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's in a lot of pain. He can't afford a taxi, doesn't know if his veteran's insurance will pay for an ambulance. So he's going to drive the hospital she immediately grabs her phone on the, while she's walking off the plane calls him and de- do not drive no matter what give me the number of your therapist who's working through PTSD with you because he's got PTSD of course from, from being in the war and, and I'll call her and her name is Pam so she writes down a number on a airplane napkin gets off the phone with her brother and as she's walking off the plane calls the number She dials it, background noise going on, somebody answers, she says, forcefully, here's who I am, my brother needs a ride to the hospital, he didn't have money for the cab, there's no ride sharing services in a small town in Nebraska, let me get my manager for you, the other voice says, okay, all right, she picks up the story, repeats it, I need you to help me, if you need me to pay for it, I will, we just gotta get this done. Manager says, I got some drivers, I'll find somebody to help your brother, call me back, I'll I'll call you back in 15 minutes. She gets into a car while she's yelling into the phone at this guy. And she turns to her husband who's waiting for her. Did I, was I mean to him? Her husband says, no, you know, he knows that you're, he's, you said you're the only two left in the family. Your parents are deceased. He'll get it. It's an emergency. Phone rings later. Okay. The man says, my name's Zach. I'm ready to take your brother to the hospital. I need to know his name and his address. And she says, don't you have it on file? He goes, ma'am, you called Jimmy John's. This is Jimmy Johns. What's his name and address? Oh my God, it's it's a wrong number. I, I I'm really sorry. I, I you know, i she says she's sorry and she and he says, No, 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 ma'am. I'm a vet. I have PTSD too. I'm taking your brother to the hospital. Now I gotta know whether he'll get in the car with me. Or will you call him first and then tell me the address? I'm taking him to the hospital. And she starts crying. Guess says, I'll call my brother. Gives him the address, calls her brother, then calls her brother 30 minutes later. He's in the hospital. He made it. The guy got him there. Yes, it was an infection in the incision. It was bad. The left leg was numb because it was starting to kill him. They caught it in time, saved his life because she misdialed and called Jimmy John's and just happened to get... A veteran who had PTSD also and thought he would drive this guy to the hospital. There's a lot going on there, Ray. What do you think? Thank God for the freaky fast service. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, he had to get it done. He had to get it there um, in 20 minutes, didn't he? Yeah. I.
1: That story is one of those things where you can't... I mean, me. I, I don't know. I, I, I constantly... Question: The things like is there is there fate? Is there, you know, a plan for everything that happens? <laughs> Are there coincidences? And I don't know. That Five kind th- of story. Five thousand so year old. Things.
0: Five thousand year old Jewish sta- saying. Jewish woman saying. No, God is in the Yahweh. God, yeah. God is in the coincidence. God is in the coincidence, and you know we repeat that all the time. There's no such thing as coincidence. God, God is in the coincidence. I would say right there, right there's probably God being in the coincidence. <laughs> that, that story rocks me. Right, right. They both do actually. Uh, the unselfishness of both of them. You know, uh, the pizza guys, their business, they can't keep up with it mm-hmm. because this got went viral. Yeah. Not because the lady who lost her husband told her children and said, Do it up for these guys. Right. And they, and they did. They're three and a half hours away. But they called people in the town and they've, been, they've had calls from California. When I ever get to that town, I want pizza from you. This is happening to them. You know, and then this guy will not even give his last name, the guy from Jimmy John's. Yeah. He would not give his last name for the story. He said, It's not about me. It's about ready for this. Taking care of our brothers. That's <laughs> are, beautiful. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I want to meet that dude. Yeah. <laughs> I wanna get I wanna get pizza at that pizza place. Um yeah, well, I would like to get pizza at that pizza place too. Okay, story number th- three from me. Um it's a dog story. I like dog stories. I like pet stories. Do you like pet stories, Ray? They're great. They're <laughs> okay,
1: huge fan of pet stories.
0: So, um, this family, uh, they have a little boy, they say they save a greyhound. Uh, it's gonna, you know, when you're saving a dog, what happens? What they're going, what they're about to do, and they save this cute little greyhound, and they name him Hero. You can already tell where this is going. Sure. Okay, so um, Hero they have a they have a type one diabetic nine year old son. Okay, Hero is their new little daughter. and Hero takes to their son like immediately. The Murphy family, by the way, Jacksonville, Florida. The Murphys. Okay, um, and Mom says he is our hero. Uh, They had only had him for three weeks. They already loved him, and he already slept with the boy, like already loved the little boy, the nine-year-old. The nine-year-old and him were like, frickin' frack. In three weeks, there wasn't a time where you usually have to do things, get a dog, nope, acclimated, nope, this dog's boom, right at it. Three weeks into it, uh, middle of the night, Hero starts going crazy in their son's room. Starts barking his brains out. I mean barking his brains out. Wakes up mom and dad. Hero, is, they run down the hallway. They think there's an intruder in the house. They bust into their son's uh, room and uh, his insulin pump had stopped working. His blood sugar skyrocketed. He had made no noises, but he was about to die. And Hero, somehow, <laughs> get with this, Ray, mm-hmm. how does this happen? Hero just started barking, like really loud, like really loud, bumping onto the door, scratching at the door, and barking and howling. Woke up the whole house, they ran in, and saved their son's life. Yeah. And so mom said, he's our real hero. And you know, I, <laughs> I hear stories like that, okay, come on, that's not real, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It is real. It's uh, one of those, like, okay, how does that... What's the...
1: Yeah, I mean, with, the, with radio, the coincidence thing, it's like that's right there in the name, too. And then you just... You got to love your... What's the radio connection? Dog doing that.
0: What's the radio connection between kids and pets? I don't know. I, maybe it's God. You know, it's like... <laughs> it's, yeah, maybe maybe it is. I, you know... Uh, I like to, it, you know, those, those are my favorite kind of stories. Yeah. But I like to t- at least always talk sometimes about the homeless because it's an ongoing issue always, always, always in, uh, in our country. And I think that we, well, there's always more we can do. And, and I like to keep hammering that idea because when good things are done, it's a cool thing. There's an organization in Muncie, Indiana, that heard about an organization in England. Uh, So there's a vending machine in the middle of the homeless area of Muncie, where the homeless mostly live. And they put a vending machine in there. And it isn't stocked with sodas and junk food. They, uh, they, They stocked it with warm clothing, socks, blankets... And instead of charging cash, it gives away items for free uh, to community members that need them the most. You have to register. That's all you have to do. And when you register, here we go, they give you tokens. And uh, the way they do this is they get people to offer to pay for a token. So instead of them offering, hey, could you give $10 to homeless or could you give $20 to homeless? Can you buy a token for a homeless person? And then they buy, so they, so they get these bought tokens, so you know stuff's paid for. Mm-hmm. And they get these bought tokens, and then a homeless person comes in and registers, and they get tokens. And then, if they're just walking down, you know, they're not standing in line, a lot of people are ashamed to do that. They walk up and put their token in a vending machine, and <laughs> they think I want that pair of socks. And they hit the button, and they get a pair of socks. A vending machine to help the homeless, Muncie, Indiana. Now, when were you thinking that Muncie, Indiana, was a place that w- would be the cutting edge of helping <laughs> the homeless? <laughs> that sounds
1: like the way everything should go. That seems like a huge innovation in how to help people. <laughs> right out of Muncie, Indiana,
0: and and they got one well, of the people in Muncie that were working it got it from England. They're mm-hmm. doing there's a town in England that did the same thing, and they mm-hmm. read about it. They looked into it, and they put it t- to use. It's a really – I saw a picture of it. It's a pretty large vending machine, but it's incredibly popular. And the homeless people they interviewed said, well, part of it is shame. There's no shame. If right. You walk up, but you're, nobody knows. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a vending machine. What a great idea. It's a great idea,
1: and it's the kind of thing that uh, – back to that like, idea of there needs to be a tipping point – like, I, w- what is it going to take for that kind of thing to catch on? That could be a huge widespread thing. And so many people could be helped and, you know, alleviated of any shame. And it'd be a great idea if, I guess, it was implemented and more people knew about that.
0: Uh, yeah. And, and you can donate. And then they get o- objects, too, then. People heard about it, mm-hmm. of course. And instead of buying tokens, they donate objects that go in there. And then if you do that, they make it. Token for for you for that way. So instead of the money, sure. So so they're doing it both ways now, and that only started because people heard about right. it happening. Right. And I think people are charmed by the idea, you know. So when they get charmed by the idea, that it take, kind of takes off. Right. It's just a great thing. Um. <laughs> you know the negativity, like in junior highs, the the bullying. Uh, and I know you know about this because we've had workshops on it and Mm -hmm. the the bullying. There's a couple of different blurbs I got on on anti-bullying. One of them, it's nose to nose, which is my favorite, but in a Virginia Beach junior high, a cafeteria manager. In the mornings, they put out bananas. They put out, they started with just one bunch. Now they put out Hundreds of bananas. Why? Because she takes a magic marker and puts positive statements on the skin of the banana. So the kids come in and say, Hi, I want a talking banana. And they call them the talking bananas. And they say things like smile, uh, you're a good person, you name it. I'm going to just show you a quick picture of stacks of them. So every morning now, <laughs> is this unbelievable That's or great. what? That's great. It's a, the, and they kids line up for the talking bananas. Right? How did what? Okay, all the years of schooling you had and I had. The cafeteria manager who probably has no education background. Right. <laughs> she is a business major, but <laughs> she. She's a hero right there because she's making good kids feel good about themselves.
1: Yeah, that that reminds me of the thing that happens at Carmel from time to time when you just show up one day and you walk in. And I've seen it several several times, you know, in the past few years. They, kids have written on Post-it notes and put on everybody's locker just something positive. You're beautiful. You're fantastic. You're wonderful. You're smart. And, you know, it's not – it's – not super personal or anything, but it's just an awesome thing to see as you walk down the halls, and the teachers get there first, so you walk down the whole halls, and all you see are these positive things that you know the kids are going to walk into the halls and get to their locker, and that's going to be the first thing they think of that day.
0: Um, well, that's why that's thing. why I, I like the, uh, the Social Justice Club's Random Act of Kindness Initiative for two reasons. One, because it does that too, and they mm-hmm. put them up on the walls, but two, because they make they make you challenge yourself to write about something you did, not done, some, done something mm-hmm. for you. You did it. And, you know, we're called to notice our strengths and use them. You know, we are called to do that as people, as, as Catholics. We are called to do that. And so, okay, yes, it's good to notice when something's been done for you and say it out loud. But it's really hard sometimes to write down, I did this and it was good, I did it. And slap that up on the wall. And when you see 400 of them on the wall before Thanksgiving, it makes it it brightens my, you know, it's just a good outlook. They're noticing their own goodness. And that's what young people need to notice. So much of them gets assaulted by, well, not only each other. Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Look what's uh, girls and boys. I don't look like that. I don't look like that. I don't look like that. I won't wear that. I I can't wear that. That kind of thing. Right. And, you know, you and I hear about it all the time. So that kind of stuff, random acts of kindness and noticing when you do something well. You know, the other story I was going to tell, uh, yeah, we are running a little short on time here, but the other story I was going to tell was about a dad, uh, also in Florida. Uh, his, his eight-year-old came home. He was coming home every day in a bad mood. He didn't know why, and then he was hurting. Finally, he broke down and started telling him. There's an 11-year-old boy was picking up. And the dad... Well, you got to do this, got to do that. Didn't work. 11-year-old boy, still picking on him. So he goes to the school and complains. He went to complain, and, and the, teach, the principal said, okay, we'll have a talk. They had a talk. Kid comes home, picking on him. He goes back in, now he's now he's angry. Principal called in the mom of the boy. So they met. The mom starts crying. We're homeless. It just happened. I think my son is jealous of your son. He's got nice clothes. So the dad sits there and thinks about it. says, can I talk to your son? Yeah. Talks to him. Kid breaks down, starts crying. Doesn't have a dad. He said, listen, you want nice clothes? If I get you nice clothes, will you be nicer to people? Yes. Come on. Get in the back seat with my son. And he took him to a clothing store, and he bought him a couple outfits. Got him cleaned up, put some good clothes on him. Now the, now the 11-year-old, <laughs> of course. As you can guess, they're they're buddies, mm-hmm. and they they meet each other the day every day at school, and they even eat lunch. Even though one's three years older, they're buddies. A dad solved the bullying problem by being nice to the bully. Well, then, <laughs> <laughs> will that work That's every tough. time, Ray? Yeah, Uh Ray. You know, it's great to have you here. Thank you for having me This here. is WSFI 88.5 FM. Mike Fitzgibbons and the story fits. Goodnewsfitsall.com is the website if you want to ever get a podcast on one of these shows. Ray Krozak was my guest today, and a great one he was, folks. Uh, November 1st, All Saints Day. Think of somebody you love. Have a great day. So long, everybody.